Hi, I'm Mark Woods, back with another Page One podcast. I uh, was on vacation for 10 days and kind of blissfully disconnected, and uh, I have Chris Hong here because I'm trying to figure out what did I miss. Anything Anything go on in the last... No, last it was <laughs> really slow. I was really struggling to find something to write about yeah. in the last week or two. Oh my goodness. I come back and uh, start going through the papers and looking online. It's crazy. It was I mean, raining news, baby. I mean, uh, summer's supposed to be the slow time, right? It's supposed to. <laughs> nobody told the city all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't even know where to begin. But uh, let's just go through a couple of things. You've worked on so many different things, so I won't, I won't make you get into all of them. But uh, maybe, I guess... I guess the big ones probably—it's hard to say what the biggest, but probably JEA. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think in terms of how it's going to affect, uh, or how many people are affected. Yeah. So tell me what I missed. What happened with JEA? Well, all of a sudden, um, <laughs> you know, I the idea that- of privatizing JEA is not some media-created uh, myth or you know lie. In fact, that they um, the board met—I uh, guess it was two weeks ago now—and um, they were given two options essentially um, by the ceo and his senior staff uh layoff what was the number i think i had it down here 574 yeah five, so many numbers these days 574 jobs immediately immediately they like they had like the termination letters in the packet like that were ready to go and be sent out to employees or you could um open up a conversation about privatizing it essentially uh put jea up for sale like you would your house put the sign up in front and <laughs> see who's interested and uh, I think you can guess which option they took, um, or if you've been around the last two weeks, you, <laughs> yeah. can, you know that they decided that they're they're going to explore privatizing JEA. Um, Friday, the request for solicitations was published by JEA, which is, is essentially bring us your offer yeah. announcement to the world. Um, so we'll see what happens. You know, I think before that, I think the day before the soli- that solicitation went out, the mayor talked to a couple media outlets in town and basically said that. Uh, He's forgot exactly what he said, but um, he likes the he's open or he's encouraged by the the conversation, and that if JEA were to be sold, the city could pay off all his debt. Um, I imagine that there's been some number crunching behind the scenes to figure out exactly what they would do with at least three billion dollars. Um, but you know, the, the mayor saying that that was um, quite a change in his position from the last year. Um, you know, last April he said that he would not introduce any legislation to privatize JEA, and he reaffirmed that pledge on the campaign trail, and just you know didn't want to talk about this at all. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about you know a, a complex deal to pay down the city's debt, which is what uh, we're uh, we're a month after he was uh, yeah the the inauguration. Yeah. yeah, I guess things change quickly in yeah. this industry. Um, yes, yeah, so it was. So it was last April basically said you know this is not a non-issue right yeah well not stop a, talking about it already. yeah and then you know blaming you know his political critics and the newspaper and tv stations um for even bringing it up like how dare we um this is just something that you guys are making up to you know sell advertisements or sell newspapers and or to just score cheap political points um and then he sent, here we are now you know sent a, sent a letter actually sent a letter to all JA employees, correct? Because yeah, I remember it said, "What basically, I've never 
stated any yeah. opposition or support publicly or sure. privately. Um, so basically saying I have you know, no position on this. Sure, and you know, that's how these politicians think. They think if they don't say exactly, they kind of leave their options open enough and technically they weren't lying. But I don't know. I mean, if you you know, treated your friends or, you know, in private life or your boss or your company acted like that. I mean, yeah, you'd be considered misleading or lying or, you know, but in the world of politics, that's just, it's all a game. So yeah. Yeah. here we are. So, yeah. So what happened, what happened between then when it's a supposedly a non-issue and, and now an well, election, a cynic might say, well, yeah, a cynic might say that, but if we were going to take the, um, the official company line, it's, um, you know that the Aaron Zahn and the team at JEA—they're constantly monitoring the, um, the state of the utilities industry. And I, I guess in the last six months, they decided that um, there was an ex- existential threat to the um, utility industry's business model, and that I guess they had to lay off 574 people right then and there to avoid certain financial ruin. Um, I mean, the uh, one of the obvious questions of hearing this after the fact, and all it, that it was. These two start choices isn't there? Wouldn't there be another option out there? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, in prior meetings they talked about you know reducing their workforce by that amount over the span of you know ten, fifteen years, and you got to think that could probably be done through attrition, right? And just don't fill some of these open spots that come up in the next ten to fifteen years. Um, you know, I don't think any other utility industry or utility company is forecasting this um sudden financial problem as much as jea is um and you can already see the the narrative shift a little bit now now that the mayor said that this could be used to pay off all of the city's debt um it makes me wonder are we it's just the the financial problems that we are being told exist at jea is that is the narrative going to shift away from that to you know the financial upside to selling the utility for three billion plus dollars i don't know i mean that seems to be how politics work in Jacksonville. They, there's just the shifting of narratives and what we said six months ago. Like there, there's seems like people want to pretend like it was never said at all, right? I mean, six right. months ago, the mayor was talking about he wasn't going to propose any sale of JEA, and it's just not on the table. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're accepting bids from companies to sell the thing. You know, yeah. so who knows where the conversation will go? Um, it does seem like an abrupt crisis, right? I mean, you're talking about, um, you know, the, so the crux of what Aaron Zahn is saying is the issue is that solar technology has advanced so far that, you know, people soon are going to have panels in their house and they're have lithium ion batteries that allow them to store enough power to where they don't really need to buy any from the utility anymore. And I, I don't see that happening in the next couple of years, and so I don't know why you would have to lay off 574 employees um, right then and right right now to, you know, fix a problem that's, you know, probably not on the horizon for another five, ten, fifteen years. We don't even know if it's going to happen at all. Um, and if if this business is in such a um, free fall, you know, I. I struggle to understand why is somebody want to buy this business in a free fall if that's in theory this is all of a sudden ja was this um, well-established well-grounded well-run company for right decades and decades and now the sky is falling we need to sell it well if that's the case why uh, why yeah. does somebody want to buy it uh, what, what a, is they what do they say to that uh, that's a great question you know i i, I <laughs> 
No one from JEA will talk to the newspaper, which is just ridiculous. However, I have spoken to some people, like off the record, who are familiar with this line of thinking and you know, they're advocates for this idea. And I think the the reasoning is that you know a big company like FPNL, as the utility market gets squeezed harder and harder, um, it's going to be really the only the giants can survive. And in order for it to be financially feasible for them, they need to gobble up all these local regional utilities, mm. and then you know the economy of scale, or you know that will be better for their business model. You know mm. you, you could spread the pain across okay. more customers. Um, but if you look around, I mean, I don't think any other utility is um forecasting this issue as as badly as jea is Hmm. um you know so whether or not this is a reality or if this is simply a narrative constructed to um support an outcome that the politicians that be want remains to be seen and can you tell what the initial response that's obviously huge news it was there was a lot of blowback last year when this first popped up was it similar reaction Last week, when yeah, I mean, you had the uh, the usual suspects uh, took to their you know said corners. You know, people who have been critics of the mayor, you know, obviously um, weren't a fan of this announcement. Um, I think I don't think the unions have really come out and said anything, but I can imagine that there's a lot of um, confusion and um, anxiety within the rank yeah. and file. I mean, they don't know what's going on, and they're just be, they're just being given this piecemeal update on. You know the status of their jobs. I think you and I can relate. Yeah. Um, yeah. How that feels. You know, and there's just uncertainty about the company that you work for. Um, you know, and like I said, you know, the mayor came out a week later. And you know, the mayor announced that he was glad that this conversation was happening. And then last week he announced that, you know, this could be used to pay off all the city's debt. Which, you know, that's would be a great thing if the city did not have debt and you could pay it off and you would free up a lot of money for other things. But, you know, let's be honest, there probably will have to be some sort of political campaign to approve any sale of the JEA. Mm-hmm. JEA. Right. And, you know, like, uh, you know, ridding de- getting rid of debt, that's a politically popular thing. That is a campaign talking point. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one could just see this as, you know, Lenny was just having a policy want conversation the other day about eliminating debt. One could also see a pivot towards um, some sort of, a future campaign and, and talking points related to that. Yeah. So, again, remains to be seen. <laughs> well, there will be much more of that. So uh, let's move. Let's see. I'll try and zip through some of what else okay. I've missed. Uh, Lot J. This has been out there forever Lot and ever. J. Now all of a sudden, yes, sir. Boom! This <laughs> come back and this has yeah. played out. And the city of Jackson will pay up to two hundred and thirty-three million, including two hundred and eight million in hard money. Yes. For a four hundred and fifty million lot J development, so yeah. that's, this is a, in you know it makes a lot of the other, uh, the district and a lot of these other things. The amount of money that was debated, this is many many times that. Yeah, yeah it's the big enchilada here. Um, it, just for context, um, you know, there are a lot of these economic incentive deals that the city approves, and oftentimes you'll see a big number like two hundred million, three hundred million. Oftentimes, the majority, the bulk of that number that's thrown around, that's a property tax rebate. It's it's called a rev grant. It's It's not cash. Yeah, and what it does, the city says, like, for the next 20 years, we're going to forgive, like, 75% of the taxes on whatever your property grows by the next 20 years, right? So, like, if your property goes from being worth or assessed, like, $5 million to $10 million, like, 75% of that growth 
will not be taxed for mm-hmm. that 20-year period. Um, you know, that's, you know, future revenue is a big deal for cities, but there, there's no upfront cash loss there. You're not paying for anything. You're essentially right. saying, like, you do this and, like, whatever you can grow this property by, like, we just won't collect money on it. Um, so, th- you know, that's a lot different than a cash grant. And so you're talking about $200 million of, cat, of cash that the city is going to have to spend on a project that, you know, we're not talking over a 10 or 15 year span. I mean, this money's going to be due in the next two or three years, assuming that they want this thing built, hmm. you know, in a timely manner. Um, that's a lot of money. It's the, it's the most cash that the city's ever put up for any sort of economic incentives deal like this before. Um, so yeah, it's, it was a jaw dropping number. And so where does that come from? That's a good question. Um, again, city hall is <laughs> not talking to the newspaper these days. So, um, I, I don't know the answer to that. I would imagine that a lot of that money would have to be borrowed just because um, unless there's a room full of money in the uh, Ed Ball building, um, I don't think the city has $200 million in cash. Now, granted, that whole $200 million wouldn't be pay- amount wouldn't be paid up front. Right. You have, like, um, city is obligated to pay, like, $92.8 million in, in-, in infrastructure. So, you know, they're going to have to build the streets, put the signs in, you know, pave the sidewalks. Have to clean up the land underneath Lot J because that's all contaminated. Um, So that seems to be something that would be done over a couple of years, right? Um, And then some of the money, fifty million, would be put towards this new entertainment district that um, the Cordish companies would run. Again, that's probably a year and a half, two-year project. Maybe they'll bang it out in one year. And then there's, um, I think it's like a sixty-five million dollar grant. That gets paid too, and I don't know if that's paid in installments, if it's paid up front, or if it's a check that the city cuts them after everything's done. That would probably be, you know, a one-time payment whenever it's due. But you know, again, it's two hundred million, probably over the course of the next two or three years. Yeah. You'd have to think that a lot of it would be borrowed and you know put into the capital investment or the you know the CIP plan that they do every year. Um, which, speaking of the CIP plan, so this year. The city anticipates paying 153 million in CIP projects for everything across the city. That includes mm. like paving streets mm. and uh. fixing parks. And so compare that to a 200 million dollar project in like a small, concentrated like five block area of the city. That's that just it put in puts into context how much money the city's putting up. Definitely. And <clears throat> do they sometimes? I feel like they've made comparisons to. St. Louis and Ballpark Village and Kansas City and yeah, the Power Light District in Kansas City and I guess there's something similar in uh, Philadelphia and Arlington. Which I remember with Kansas City, you talk to people who live there and say, they say yes, it's it's kind of neat they have it, but it has not panned out financially the way it was hoped to. That yeah, it, um, it, it's not paying the the amount of debt that it, they they'd hoped, and it's. Uh, it's been financially very disappointing. Right, yeah. I mean, I think there were a lot of promises made with that specific project about how the revenue generated from that area would pay off the bonds. Um, you know, I, I spent some time in that area of the country, and it was a cool place to go hang out. And you'd go down there, that area, I think the Sprint Center is what it's called. Go watch the, some college basketball games. They have, like, the Big 12 championship there every year. So, you know, it, it has helped um, Kansas City become – from what I can understand, a really cool place to live and spend time in. It's it's grown since I've lived there like mm-hmm. five or six years ago. Um, so I think you know the officials up there would describe Power Light District as a, more or less a loss leader, right? It's like it's not making money; it doesn't mm-hmm. pay for itself. But 
you know, it does bring people downtown. And right. It does have some value that doesn't, maybe not necessarily reflected on the uh, balance sheet. Right. And so, yeah, what we would end up here would be restaurants, bars, outdoor, a new outdoor. Yeah, there'd be an outdoor stage. Now, this is if, you know, um, it's similar to these other ones. You know? And a massive parking garage. Is that right? A bit, yeah, well, it, it's not really clear what's going to happen there. It said okay. the, the the deal says the term sheet that I got to look at said that there's going to be structured parking next to a residential high ta- like a residential high rise, a boutique hotel, yeah, a hotel, and maybe an office, you know, tower. So yeah. I don't know if that means there's just one parking garage or there's huh. parking garages next to each of those got buildings. It. It's it's still unclear how that's going to pan out. And there's so much flexibility granted in that agreement that you know what we're envisioning now is subject to change. I mean, right. look at the amphitheater. You know that. Yeah. Looks a lot different today than what it looked like <laughs> on that rendering that was passed around in 2015, the yeah. night the council members were asked to vote on it. You right. know, on a one, you know, an emergency cycle basis. So, you know, I I think the big part, the big thing here are the numbers. Yeah, I think that's what is most illuminating right now. Okay, one more thing. I I could keep going because we had others, but I'll do one more. The uh, the, the half cent sales tax referendum for schools uh took an interesting twist while i was gone we had sam musa and tim baker all of a sudden potentially yeah. involved in this sure yeah they um they have met with the chairwoman of the board um and they also or sam musa also had a phone conversation with another school board member and uh you know essentially said hey hey you have a problem at city hall like let us help you um, so, and sam musa retired just recently as the Chief Administrative Officer for sure. the Mayor yep. and Tim Baker, lead consultant for Mayor Curry and consultant, confidant, um, you know, yeah. So friend. And met and said and what did they You know, they they said that we'd like to help you um get this thing on the ballot. You know, um hire late, us for what is it, four hundred and fifty thousand? Yeah, it's like twelve thousand dollars a month um for up to two years and or up to a year. It's a, it's a maximum amount of $450,000, which is a lot of money. Um, but yeah, you know, essentially they propose that, look, like you have um, some council members who have some serious questions about um, what you intend to do with the money. Let me put together a plan. Um, and then let me go take this plan and meet with city council members. And I think the document said other city officials who would need to approve this plan, which would be the mayor. You, Ultimately, he would have to approve anything before it could get on the ballot. So let us essentially lobby these people and convince them that, you know, this is a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I spoke to Warren Jones last week um, about a conversation he had with Sam Musa before Sam had actually retired. And Sam, he says that Sam told him um, right off the bat that they would have to give $150 million to charter schools, which, you know, that's another big criticism of this plan by some people in the council and some of the political donor types in the city is that they want to see some money carved out for the charter schools. And so, um, you know, that component would obviously, I would have to imagine that would make them pretty happy. Um, I don't know if it would be enough to win their support, but you'd think it would. Um, it's pretty significant chunk of change there. Um, you know, and then Sam was also talking to Warren's like, hey, man, you know, the council, the mayor, they trust me. They know that, you know, they know me, they trust me, and they know that I do good work. And so I think that would be um, 
probably the biggest part of this thing. I think, you know, obviously Sam's got a lot of experience um, in city government, so there's no doubt that he could put together a, a plan of how to spend that money and it would be a good plan. But I don't know. What stuck out to me was the lobbying part. I think that's you know, what's <clears throat> bothering a lot of people. Yeah, there's no question. His Nobody would yeah question his experience, his uh, ability to dig into something deeply, but I think when you have a skeptical mayor about this and he leaves and then all of a sudden, oh, if you pay me X amount, I can lobby the mayor. It just doesn't, it doesn't look good. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't well look put. good. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I won't keep you going, but let's see. We had Katrina Brown going to represent <laughs> herself. We had now a just, was it today or yesterday appointed school board perhaps? Yeah. And, uh, Jack's Beach Fishing Pier, you you you're, you're, yeah. you delved into. I did, and so yeah, it's gonna be and closed for two years, but they're finally fixing the damn thing. So, so there's all this played out, and Shane Green traded from my Detroit oh my Tigers yeah. so to I'm, your Atlanta Braves. I'm uh, getting back into Bra- Atlanta Braves baseball after a, a couple <laughs> decades off, and uh, yeah, the, <laughs> we got we bought a lemon from Detroit. Essentially, <laughs> yeah, Shane Green is not the closer that we thought he was. <laughs> One blown save, another blown game, uh, but hopefully he'll he'll find his pitch again. It's just trust me. After the several years of Tigers getting bad closers, I'm not feeling sorry for you. Uh, well, we are the best team in ba- uh, the national. Well, second best team in the National League right now, but in my opinion, the best. But all right, I'll have to pick it. Yeah, okay. since the Tigers have the worst record in baseball, I need to pick somebody else to root for. Um, anyway, so thanks for catching me up on. Uh, some of what I missed. It's hey, man, what it's probably going to be even more to catch up on in the next week. I so. know, I know, it's crazy. Well, thank you very much, and everybody, go to jacksonall dot com and the Times Union to read all of the different things Chris has been writing about and others. Uh, I'm starting to catch up on my what I missed, and really, you had some really good stuff in the past week. So, thanks. Cool. Thank you.